It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Hello, Ben. We'll tell you when we're ready, Megan. <laughs> I'm ready. What's this we stuff? We're I'm, always talking. And Megan's always concerned that we aren't hearing her. Because we don't acknowledge her when she talks. Not as a rudeness thing, but just as a, you know, just kind of how the business works. And then she thinks we're not ready. You and I like to chat, which is, is something that I like about you. Because I I like to chat. I don't know, Megan, are you a, are you a chatter? It depends on the topic. Okay. All right. That makes sense. See, I'm you and an, I don't I'm care. I'm an expert on all and things. Neither of us hear each other. We put you. Yeah, we're just talking. Mouths are open. Words are coming out. We don't care who's uh, listening. We've turned into adult men. How are you? What adult guys do? How's it going, Ben? I'm doing well. I've enjoyed uh, this week off from school for the children, and last week it's been a nice long break for the kids. So I've uh, not had to get up and get them off to school, and that's kind of been enjoyable. Kind of wake up, and everyone's kind of a little more relaxed. There's no push to get out the door. Oh, good. That's nice. How's your life? <laughs> That's your four-year-old and six-month-old. Oh, <laughs> uh, I heard uh, you were talking to Hans uh, about my my grumpiness, Ben, and it's it's real. Uh, and well, he said you're grumpy until you have coffee, right? Now and I've always seen you with coffee, so I'm not quite done yet. Well, let me tell you, I'll be happy when my. We were talking about this. Speaking of chatting, we were talking about this. I, I will be happy when my girls sleep in. That, yeah, that time needs to needs to come because. Not that I could have, you know, I've got to get up and going. We've got to get them to school and all that stuff for, um, you know, i got to get in work, do the show, the whole thing. But, you know, the difference I feel, Ben, between 5.45, 6 o'clock and 7 oh, is huge. great. It's huge. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's a big difference. It's the, As you get older, it's the difference between going to bed at 2 o'clock and then 1 o'clock and then 1 o'clock and midnight. And then a lot of people go midnight to like 10 and you realize, like, yeah, I feel so much better the next day, but you're getting it on the other end. Yeah, you're getting it uh, when you get to sleep in a little bit. And nobody ever wants to hear us complain. No. And this really isn't a complaint. But no. you to do a radio show, you have to pour out a lot of energy. If you don't, then you sound like a lot of people do yeah. on the radio like you're half dead. Like you're quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're tired. I mean, you have to amplify things. That's right. just how it works. And right. it takes some energy. And when you're doing post-game shows, and, uh, you know, I'm sure part of the reason that Locke never sleeps is because you just can't go home and turn it off. You can't. And it's so tough to explain to people. They're like, well, are you getting right home and hitting the pillow? And it's like, well, if I want to stare at the ceiling, that's what I'm yep. going to do. Because I've, I've just had to summon up all this energy that I can't, you know, turn off on the drive home. <laughs> And then I get the, Dad, can I get up? Yeah. 
I get that. You're, but that's okay. You know what? It's all right. And I you just, know what? It doesn't last long. It feels like it's lasting forever, and you never see the end of it, and then once it ends, it's gone forever. Here's something I try to do in my life, too, Ben, is like oftentimes it's not the circumstance that makes us unhappy. It's how we like view it, right? The lens with which we view the circumstance, and I've just had a bad lens this morning. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had a bad lens where I'm just not looking at stuff like... Positively, I went to, half, I went to bed. I went yeah. to bed grumpy. I woke up grumpy, and I'm going to try and maximize my grumpiness on the air today. Watch out, Ben. Eight p.m. It's games are tough, and that was another long game yeah. with a bunch of fouls long. and a review with up twenty with five minutes to go. I'm telling you, if you challenge a call up twenty and you get it wrong, that's got to be a twenty thousand dollar fine. <laughs> you need to fi- you need to so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You need to dissuade coaches from trying to do that. You yeah. need to make it such a huge punishment. If you challenge a game, a call in a game that's already a blowout, I think Dallas did this recently. I think Jason Kidd did it. I think they were in Sacramento. No, they lost in Sacramento last night. Where they were, maybe they played Sacramento in back-to-back games. They were up 20 and challenged a call like for, with a minute and a half left. It's like... I get you got an axe to grind against the officials at that point, but come on. Have some respect for everybody's time. Everyone's trying to get out of here, Jason Kidd. We don't need you to show out who you are. And I don't think that's necessarily what Quinn Snyder was doing. I think they'd cut it to like 12 at no, the point. No, he was but, bent because it was a bad call. But it was I a get, bad call. I get exactly what Quinn Snyder was doing, and he doesn't care what the score is. He's no. bent out of shape because his team's getting jobbed. Yeah. I understand. But but give it, it, get rid of a review. Let's just, let's just do that to yeah. come back. No, uh... DJ and I were having this discussion this morning. Can I run this by you? I mean, I know we have sure. a game to talk about and all of that, but this has to do with sports. Okay. So That's what we're doing? Sports show? Television is ruining in-person sports. It is. Some sports more than others, but it, it is. Go to a college football game and watch the moron standing there with the clock and that says three minutes and then bounces to four and then down to two and a half or whatever. The commercial clock thing. And it's just unbelievably clunky. Correct. And at some point, the charm of being there in person is going to be outweighed by the ridiculousness of it all. And I wonder where that breaking point is. This is probably different for different teams and different uh, games. Like, certainly, some games are bigger than others. You know, you'd fans would sit through a six-hour game to watch the Rose Bowl, right? Yep. But at some point... Is it like, and well, here's the hard part. Leagues, college football, NBA, all that stuff, they don't care about the gate anymore. They do, but they don't. That's not the sweetest plum right. anymore. They don't care about the reason The reason they blackout games in the NFL is not because they're sad they haven't sold tickets. It's because they don't want the TV money to get harmed. They don't right. want you only to stay home and watch the games. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, that's, not, that's not where their priorities lie anymore, which I find to be a shame because... I still find the charm of in-person sports really great. But here's the thing. The NBA right now has a pretty good balance, I think. Their average game, what were you saying the other day, Ben? Like 209. 209. In fact, let's pull up the box score right now. I can tell you exactly how long. Last night's game was 216. And I think 209 even is, is pushing it a Agreed. little bit a little for uh, an event that starts at 7 o'clock. Right. And here's the get off my lawn, old man. You know, young people are out there like, what, you're complaining about 1030? You know, but kids, families, lives, 
all, all that stuff. And they, right now, it's not, you know, it's, it's an off season right now, for, or I should say, you know, kids aren't in school, but a lot of kids, yeah, they're going to bed before this is over. Lloyd's always talking about watching the games with his kids, and you have to put them to bed at halftime. They don't get to finish the game. Right. Baseball, we've talked about it having a big problem where it's incredibly long, and baseball has the challenges. It's not a terrific TV sport, but it's even moving that way. You know, you talk yes. about their regional TV deals and all that sort of thing. Like, it's just, you know, the the... The in-person fan, in particular, is taking a backseat to TV. And, you know, we were, I was complaining to DJ. And again, all the, no one wants to hear us complain. But two hours and 50 minutes the other day. And DJ's like, well, you know, it's an ESPN game. You've got to expect that to a certain extent. And it was like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. Right. There's 12 timeouts in a game, right? There's 12 timeouts. Each team gets six. So if you're adding 50 minutes, I mean, you're adding three extra minutes per timeout. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And here's the thing. like, And I know that's not exactly what they're doing. It's fouls and stuff. But yes, I mean, that's essentially how it equates. Soccer, randomly, is a pretty good Soccer's TV incredible. sport. Great. In part, because there's no stoppages for commercial timeouts. So they figured out a way to do commercials where they do the split screen or they've got more. Or they're just they, doing reads. Doing reads and yeah. breaking up your TV screen in a number of different ways that are really creative ways to get ads in. Why? can't the NBA do that? Eliminate those long commercial breaks and and slap in a split screen Plus or something. Also, you're more likely to stick through an ad if Bowler's reading it than you are yes. if it goes to break and it's a Saturday and you're going to flip over to the other game or whatever's yes. going on. I, I agree with you. I think we'll get there. I think we'll start to get there. Plus, it's going to be way cheaper to just say, hey, we're going to pay Bowler or Thurl or whoever to read this ad as opposed to getting a whole production company to put a commercial together. You know, I mean, eventually it's going to be a cost-effective thing, and I think you're realizing you are going to get more people sticking around watching TV. Football works as an in-person spectacle because it's a party. Because it's a party throughout. It's an event. It's yeah. an event, which is why student sections work. Like, most of those kids aren't there for the game. Enough of them are. They, right. they care. Right. There's, like, a general understanding of what's going on. But you're partying. Before the game, you're partying during the game, and that doesn't mean you're necessarily drinking, but it's a social event. Now, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan... You're getting hammered and you're jumping off of RVs and landing on tables. I mean, that's the party. That's the pregame. And that really is where tailgating has, in a lot of ways, made football. I don't want to say saved football, but it's made football. Certainly in person. I mean, even before Utah football games, I mean, I remember going and doing broadcasts for pregame shows. And it's a party and it's fun to be up there. And there's food and people are drinking and having a good time. And everyone's getting excited for the game. And you're running into people. And it's kind of a, a social status. and It's an elite thing that you want to get together and, and join. Soccer does that very well also. Soccer is also a party in a stadium. Basketball is certainly not a party in a stadium. They're trying to get there, They're though. trying to get there. I think it's going to be difficult because there's 80 games. You can't party. And a lot of them are on weekdays and little built-in things there. Party number 40. Yeah, right. Back-to-back home games. I mean, you can party once a week on a Sunday. That's easy to do. So I think you're right. I think there is going to be a breaking point somewhere. I, I have a hard time, honestly, even... I try to admit that the experience I have at games, and I still enjoy going to games, is not for the same reason fans enjoy going to games. And I used to love going to games when I was a young person. But I enjoy it in a different way now. In a much drier... Sure. Like, and I was, I was just talking when I was like, a kid, but like the idea of like getting emotionally involved in games was fun when you're a young person. Now it's just like, well, I like having access to things. And not no, no, food, no, I, but just like talking to people. It's just funny, because this is something that I, I run into all the time when I, I talk to people about what I do for a living. And they, they go, 
oh man, you get to go to all the jazz games? And what they have pictured in their mind is, you know, a beer in both hands, like high-fiving with their buddies, like putting away a hot dog, and it's like, no, it's not that. Like it's from Eric Walden. Like it still beats... uh, (laughs) I love Eric. But yeah, that's what it is. It's like, oh yeah, what the... How's the house? Did you guys paint it yet? It's just different. It's you're different. just you're working. Yep. You know, it, it's it's just a different thing. Now we're not digging ditches for a living, so no. that part of it's where it's like, wow, yeah, I get a the appreciation part where I get to watch a basketball game and I got to be a part of this in a weird kind of way, and and do what I want to do for a living. Like it's really great, but it's not correct. Slugging beers and eating hot dogs and and uh, I mean, barking guys, at the some referee. Some guys might be doing that. Really? Walden? Walden get a no. little loose? Tommy Heinsohn, the color analyst for the Celtics, did that for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well there's, some, there's some old schoolers, I'm sure, that had some interesting habits. The world was a little different back then, Ben. You want to talk about the game last night? Or sure. You want to, you want to dive into that? tuned out because Sorry. we're complaining about how hard our lives are. I think that's an interesting conversation, how TV affects in-person I agree. Sports. I do think that is an actual talking point. And, and football is built for TV. It's the perfect TV sport, but it's ruining in-person football. But your point is a great one. Football's an event. Football's People built for People don't care partying. how long it, it, it goes, And probably. the best party is the football party at the game. And now, you can actually replicate a pretty good party at home. And this is, parties, etc. This is me sitting at a football game in the press box going, that moron with the clock is back out there. Let's yeah. let's move this along. So, yeah, perspective is a Shout thing. out to everyone driving down to Pasadena or flying over there right now, though, uh, to get ready for uh, coming up to this, for the Rose Bowl. The, Ro- the Rose Bowl, yeah, yeah Ben. That's Saturday. the game. Saturday. Sorry, I've got Peach Bowl kind of and Cotton Bowl and Fiesta Bowl and everything. No, the Utes aren't yes. in the in the no. Cotton Bowl. No. Shout out to everyone driving down there. They're not uh, in the Mayo Bowl either. Have a good time. Mayo Bowl's today, right? Yeah, I think. Aren't we watching it? Oh, is that what it is? is North that, Carolina, South Carolina. North Carolina's getting spanked. Anyways, shout out to everyone going down there, partying, having a good time, being safe, driving safe. Give yourself extra time to get down there. Can I tell you that uh, my hot take when Frank Beamer retired was just don't hire his kid? And now Shane Beamer's doing a good job at South Carolina, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe they should have hired his kid. Nepotism's great. I hope my kid gets hired to do something. (laughs) He's such a terrible running backs coach. I was like, oh, just don't hire Shane. Please. Now he's at South Carolina doing a good job. They're trouncing the Tar Heels. Yeah. All right. The game last night, Ben. 120 to 105. I thought... um, I thought the most interesting thing, certainly about the post game, was Quinn Snyder's tone. That he was a little bent, a little perturbed. He was a little perturbed that the Jazz didn't put this one in the bank, and that uh, kept letting the net or the Nets, the uh, the Blazers. I don't know if you want to say reel them back in because what was the closest they got? Six. They got six in the second half. I don't think it ever got below ten in the fourth quarter. So you know. It wasn't close. But Coach was not pleased. And I, I find that interesting because Jerry Sloan used to do that. When his team won, that's when he would... Nitpick. Nitpick and be critical. Yep. And when his team lost, he would be... Game tomorrow. Yeah, very forgiving. The other yeah. team's great. Wow. Yeah. I mean, on to the next one. And and so, you know, I find that aspect of coaching pretty interesting. But but Coach was was all business last night in the postgame. I, I think you look at the game, and you see that the Jazz shot 53% from the floor, and the number of guys who played really pretty well. Joe uh, Boyan had 15 points. 
uh, Rudy had 22 points. Rudy Gobert, I should say. Mike Conley had 15. Jordan Clarkson had 19. Hassan had 15. Rudy Gay had his best best game as a Jazz man, I thought, uh, with 21 points. When you get six guys who score 15 points or more, you would expect a blowout, especially against a team that's as shorthanded as the Blazers were. But the Jazz let the Blazers kind of go off from three, certainly in the first half with the, what, 10 made threes in the first half. They only had 14 overall. But also, Norman Powell went off. He had 25 points in the first half and 32 overall. Dame also ended up pouring in 32. They did enough to keep that game close. And yeah, the Jazz had them at, what, down 17, down 14, 16, at various points. And then, yes, always let them cut it back down to 10. So Quinn Snyder would have to call a timeout and extend this game, I'm sure, further than he wanted to. Jazz had 59 bench points. Yeah, Jazz Bench was great. Other than Joe Ingles, Jazz Bench was really great. And I know Joe started, but he still kind of gets some run with that, uh, that you know, which is still funny. Joe Ingles has not, I don't think, been playing particularly well lately. I mean, he had four turnovers last night, wasn't particularly effective, uh, only had three assists, and he still led the team with a positive plus 25. That was the biggest surprise. We talked about that in the postgame. You look at Joe's box scoring, you're like, geez, where was Joe tonight? Then yeah. he hit to that plus 25. I was like, whoa, never mind. Every time he was on the floor, that unit crushed the opposing team. So. But, the, I mean, you know, the bench playing so well uh, is probably the shorthanded team part, right? You know, Portland's shorthanded, so yeah. the bench unit should roll. Uh, but Rudy had a great game. Rudy Gobert, that is, 8 of 10, 22 and 14. He also had uh, two block shots. Uh, and Hassan Whiteside was great, as you mentioned, 15 points, 11 rebounds. But the point with those two guys, Portland was really outsized because all their size didn't play. You That's know? what I wrote about last and, night. Oh, good. I, I didn't have a chance to to read it yet, actually. I'm sorry, Ben. I, I would have led you differently. <laughs> I well, I didn't done. think about you it last night late, either, Jake. It was a late night, I'm sorry. Ben. I didn't think about you either. It's a late night. I'm done I'm with the segment. Well, right, I'm break. sorry. Uh, anyways, my big talking point was that you know they had one guy who was 6'7 or taller who's an established NBA player on the roster, and that's Larry Nance. Yeah. Otherwise, Rocco... Uh, Cody Zeller and Yusuf Nurkic were all out of the game. So they really did not have a big body to throw out there. They ended up playing Reggie Perry, who I don't know if I'd ever heard of before. He signed two days ago. Reginald Perry. And played 14 minutes last night uh, and, you know, had four points and four rebounds. Sir Reginald Perry. He's a big man. Uh, So he had to step out there and play and he committed four fouls in 14 minutes. He just could not handle Rudy Gobert. He just literally would hug Rudy every single time he caught it. But I did like how much the Jazz went to the went to the post. And I asked Quinn Snyder about this. You'll remember his quotes I after do. the game. See, now it's all coming together. I remember your question where I said, now, like, Ben. You've got five or six guys now that are kind of real post options because the Jazz are giving the ball to Rudy Gobert in the post now. He's certainly touching it more than he ever did before with the expectation to make a play. Hassan Whiteside's legitimately pretty good at it. Rudy Gay's really good at it because he's so big. Boyan Bogdanovich has always done it. I don't think he's great at it, but he can do it. And then Jordan Clarkson, we know he likes to ISO and get into the post and is pretty good with his back to the basket. And even Donovan Mitchell, who didn't play last night, has shown a little bit more of that kind of guard, fadeaway, 15-footer that, we, that we've seen some of the best guards in the NBA history. Speaking of Michael Jordan specifically, guards with low post games have always been kind of a thing I've loved, and you're starting to see Donovan Mitchell do it a little bit more. But I asked Quinn about it, and he gave a really long answer. In fact, we should pull that audio at some point before the end of the show. Uh, I can help with that. I, it, it's, a, it's an important development for the Jazz. And I thought actually last night, even though Quinn Snyder wasn't very happy with the team, I thought you went up against a team that was playing small, and had a really switchy defense. And that's been the curse for the Jazz lately. And the Jazz, I thought, actually handled those aspects of the game 
really well and were willing to go and stuff these smaller guys in the rim, which is what you have to do to Reggie Jackson next year when he gets switched or in the playoffs when he gets switched under Rudy Gobert. I don't care that three is worth more than two in certain situations or that a mid-range shot is not as efficient as a three-point shot. Sometimes you have to run the ball so you can throw the ball. And guess what? Your yards per attempt on a pass are always going to be higher than your rushing attempts. But you run the ball to collapse the defense and then you throw it over the top. The same thing you have to do in basketball. If they're going to go small, you have to throw them in the hoop. You have to make them feel small. Then what do they have to do? They have to go big because it feels crappy to get dunked on. It feels crappy to give up layups and and ones over and over and over. So you go put your bigger player out there and then you can go back out and shoot the three-point shot. You have to give a little bit to get a lot in the end and the Jazz are trying to be more diverse and that diversification is going to help them win playoff games. Ben, it's a it's a simple game, Ben. It really is. It's a simple game. Uh, this is what I, I, I have not understood for about three years. And I think you make a, a terrific point. I'm essentially just going to repeat everything you just said right there. Thank you. But the Jazz outscored the Blazers last night in the paint 74 to 30. 74 to 30. 74 to 30. Now listen, Reggie Jackson's a great example. How tall is he? Four foot eight. <laughs> that means like six two. How tall is Rudy? Seven two. My God, if he gets matched <laughs> up on Rudy, Correct. it should be a dunk Correct. every How tall are single you, Jake? How tall time. Are you, Jake? I'm six feet tall. How tall are you, Megan? I'm five one. Okay, so Jake, if I give you the ball in the post and Megan's guarding you, I expect you to shoot over it the top of it. It should be an automatic <laughs> Hold two the ball points. Up, big brother, her. Hold the ball up and put the put the ball in the hoop. I'm with you. And for years, Rudy has has tried Euro steps and weird layups and up and unders, and I don't get it why yeah. he just doesn't dunk on it. And the and the problem is is that it means that the Clippers and the Rockets beat you in the playoffs because of you don't make them adjust to you. Right. Right. And that is what I don't understand. Like, all, all the talk in the offseason, how, how did the Jazz adjust their roster to go up against the switchy defense? Okay, you signed Rudy Gay. I get it. Yeah. You do something around the edges maybe to, to add another tool to your arsenal. But the answer is, you can't get away with guarding Rudy Gobert with somebody who's 6'4". I get it that P.J. Tucker is a tough player, but you can't let a team get away with that. It is, and and so last night, thank you, Ben, for bringing this up because they threw the ball to Rudy and Hassan Whiteside, and Portland was going to get dunked on all night until they did something else, which they couldn't do. And part of the reason probably Quinn was bent out of shape was Portland they had no answer. They should have won by thirty. Now to this point. If they had Robert Covington out there, that would have made it a little bit... There are good, small, low-post defenders. Royce O'Neal is a really good, small, low-post sure. defender. So is P.J. Tucker. So is Marcus Morris. Like There are guys that if the Jazz try and do this with, will make it more difficult. But when you have lots of big guys, you can still find that mismatch. You can go to Rudy Gay. If Gobert cannot put what Quinn Snyder talked about, basically putting these guys in the rim, fighting for the rim back up so far under the basket that it doesn't matter if they're defending you. You just turn and the rim's right there. So often they're like, well, I'll stop at eight feet because that's what I've seen guys do. Stop at three feet. Stop so when you turn around and you have a nine foot seven standing reach, you just touch you put the ball in the hoop. You can you can grab the net when you're Rudy Gobert or Hassan Whiteside. Just turn around and put the ball in the hoop. That's what the Jazz did a lot better last night. I'm gonna, I cut this two minutes. We're going to listen to this two minutes uh, from Quinn Snyder last night coming up in the next segment. Okay. We, uh, we will get to that. Um, 
yeah, just it, it's simple. Simple. It's not game. that difficult. It's it's some really of it's not. not that difficult. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it to me anyway. And I'm glad the Jazz uh, uh, they're throwing Rudy. They're having confidence in Rudy to throw in the ball because that, of course, was the issue all along. Is they didn't have confidence in Rudy. Have a little confidence in the big man who's going to go up there and finish, or at very least get fouled and make seventy percent of his foul shots. Which is a huge deal. Correct. He didn't shoot great last night, but for the season, yeah, he's about 70%. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Premier Wave, he's our good friend, Dr. Johnson. Hey, Dr. Johnson, happy holidays. How'd Christmas go? Great. How how was yours? Oh, fantastic. Went well. Kids were happy. Santa came. You know, all the good stuff. Yep, exactly. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's help our listeners. Maybe this holiday season they want to you know, have a, have, I guess, a New Year's resolution to uh, be a little happier. Let's help out with that. Yeah, you know, we're <clears throat> had a lot of people come in because the problem with erectile dysfunction is it's an aging process. It's the same aging process as heart disease. So almost all men eventually will develop it. You know, at 50 years old, more than 50 percent of men suffer from erectile dysfunction. But even men as young as 30 are having problems, and it's um, not something that you have to live with. It's something that's, that we can definitely treat and improve. And the nice thing is we have the only machine that is actually designed for erectile dysfunction and FDA approved for it, and it gives great results. So there's no need to suffer, you know, especially as the Christmas has passed. You might be a little bit tight on the budget. We have actually have uh, 0% financing available. So you don't have to pay, you know, outlay a ton of money, and it's you could do it for 12 or 24 months. It's like getting free money. And there's no reason, like I said, to suffer with this. It's been clinically proven to be very effective, the most effective action on the market. So we're running a special, you know, for Zone listeners that if they call in the next, you know, a couple hours, they can get $300 off their treatment, plus they can get the zero percent financing. So there's no reason to wait. All right, get on it now. Uh, give them a call, 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-WAVE. You can go online to premierwave.com as well. Dr. Johnson, look forward to uh, hanging out with you throughout the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Take care. That's premierwave.com or 385-360-WAVE. We'll have more Jake and Ben coming up next. A Quinn Snyder sound uh, straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. It's game week for the youths as they prepare for the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Keep it locked on the zone all week long as the zone gets you ready for the biggest game in Utah football history. As Kyle Whittingham and the youths square off against Ohio State. Get live up to the second coverage with Patrick Kinahan, Alex Keery, and Scott Mitchell. Live from Pasadena, your home for the best Rose Bowl coverage in Utah. It's right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utah to Ohio State. It's Rose Bowl week for the youths, and we're getting you ready for kickoff. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake and Ben, 
97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Jay Giver survived anything? Uh-huh. Oh, that's why. I was like, why is Carl Malone trending? That makes more sense. Have I ever survived anything? trending? That's uh, how we speak of surviving something. The, the all-time NBA points list. Oh, LeBron's yeah, LeBron's up, up there. And, yeah, and, uh, and Carl's on there. Uh, wow. I, I, I asked this because we get a ton of emails because we're a part of KSL. Uh, you know, we do KSL Sports, but I also get all the news emails. So I get a lot of my news. Now I consume it. I used to be like strictly digital. Now I get all of my not even digital like emailed to me because all the reporters have to email their stories in. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I read every little email being like, oh, and they're talking about a uh, avalanche survivor. So no is is the short answer. There was there was one time, though, like uh, so my grandparents live. Well, now my grandmother uh, lives on the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, right, uh, Silver Beach, right, uh, the beach there, and there's like a, a sandbar. Like it's really shallow, and there's a sandbar, like I don't know, been a couple hundred feet right. off the off the shore. And uh, so we were gonna, you know, hoof it and swim out to that sandbar. And uh, my brother and I, and we were like, I don't know, he was probably like ten, and I was fifteen or sixteen. Uh-huh. It's like we're gonna swim out, swim out there, you know. And it, a storm absolutely blew in. And we were still trying to make it because we're dumb. Right. And my grandfather had to, like, comes out to the beach and just yells, like, hey, <laughs> it's time to come back. Yeah. And once I got back in. You look was, back now. And it was, like, tough to get back in. Uh, and now I look back at it like, yeah, that. It's an easy drowning. That could have gone really Everyone has badly. a near yeah. drowning story. Right. But you don't realize it. But even it's like you're a little kid and you jumped in the water when you uh, before you could swim. And you remember, like, sliding off someone's back trying to catch up. Megan, you ever survive anything? Not like that. No? no. Oh, you seem like a survivor. You seem like you've had a lot of near-death experiences. I keep it safe. Yeah. Well, that's good for you. That's the smart way to do but it. But no, I haven't had one of the... I mean, heaven forbid getting caught in an avalanche. I mean... Yeah, right. No, I've been lucky. I, I don't really have a very serious survival story. Some people have some crazy ones, some close calls. And I still can't believe people backcountry ski without beacons and stuff like that. Yeah. I've got a buddy who's in that industry, in the kind of backcountry industry, and... They, he's, you know, they run into people out there without the proper safety equipment. It's just madness. But tweet at us. Anywho, tweet at us. What at have you Jake survived? Zone, at Ben's Hoops. Are you a survivor? <laughs> what a morbid. And if so, what have you? No, some surviving is like positive. the goal. Yeah. yeah, it's not morbid. I mean, we're going to get some scary stories, you know. But I'm, I'm curious about people's survival stories. Hey, we're crank, we're cranking into 2022. We're all survivors right now. So it feels like, you know what? I've been listening to. Uh, I finished Little Women. So I moved on to a uh, a biography, Bill Bryson's biography on William Shakespeare. And the most fascinating thing he ever did, they said, was that he, the fact that he survived London in the 16th century because the plague ran for 30 years and everybody died. It was just, and then if it wasn't the plague, it was typhoid or it was syphilis. You just, everyone was dying all the time. You were, there was zero chance to survive, much less get old enough and thrive. So it was kind of interesting that... Any, all anyone ever did for a long time was survive, and that was the single greatest thing you that could That was do. the whole point, was literally get through the day. We're a little bit post-survival. There was a thing called, what was the, what was the thing they called it yesterday? It was scourge without dread. That was a disease in London, scourge without dread, because it caught you so fast you would get sick in the morning and you would be dead by the night. <laughs> That's, it was without dread because you didn't know you were about to die that night. So yeah, scourge without dread was something I was learning about yesterday, which is A, a great name for a, a disease and probably a good way to go. Quick, 
you get know, a cough in the morning, <laughs> croak. It's the, it, honestly, it's those sorts of things that give you perspective on on the time in which we're living. Correct. You know, indoor plumbing has not been a thing all that long. Oh no, yeah. at all. No, <laughs> you know, the dreaded sweat was the other name for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sweaty. You're going to be dead tonight. Used to have to go out to the outhouse with the moon in the door, Ben. Correct. I used to, you know, it was your light. It was cold today. Had to make sure there was no grizzly coming out. <laughs> It was cold today. Imagine having to get up and really having to go and being like, oh, man, I got to get my boots on. I got to hoof it out to the backyard in the snow. Anyways, if you're a survivor, let us know. at us. If you didn't survive, God bless you. Well, you're not tweeting at us. Uh, at Jake Scott's own at Ben's Hoops. Let us know. All right. Uh, you want to you wanna set this up? We'll play a little yeah, Quinn. We were talking about how small the Portland Trailblazers were last night. And even though I didn't think Quinn Snyder was particularly happy with how the team played, I was actually really happy looking back and saying, hey, the Jazz did exactly what they need to do against small teams. They just destroyed them in the post. In the post, 74 to 30 points inside the paint, which means you're not letting the small guys get in and get layups. And then when they're guarding you with the small guy, you're just kicking the ball into the post and you're getting a ton of points from Rudy Gobert, who was the leading scorer, and Hassan Whiteside, who was good off the bench, and Rudy Gay, who was good off the bench. Here's Quinn Snyder responding to my question about having more post options than they've had in years past? Well, I, I think, you know, we, we, we've been able to find Rudy and Hassan, um, you know, deep. You know, they've fought for position as opposed to fighting for position just on the block or off the block. They're really using their height, particularly when people switch and pick and roll and not stopping, you know, at the dots and calling for the ball. And there's, there's usually people behind them that they're, they're fighting for the rim as, as I've liked to, to describe it for them. If they fight for the rim and they get deep, I think their size really becomes a factor and it's just much easier to find an angle to pass the ball to them. So I think we're doing a better job, both, you know, them fighting for the rim and, you know, us making those reads quickly and, you know, making that high pass as opposed to just a post pass. Um, and then the other two guys, you know, Boyan, particularly, I think, you know, when he's got a mismatch situation, um, you know, has been efficient on the post. We saw that last year as well. And, you know, Rudy Gay, I think, you know, you could point to and um, we're trying to, to take advantage of, of what for him is, you know, usually a mismatch with his height, regardless of who's guarding him. If we can force a switch, you know, that's fine. But, you know, he's capable of, of scoring over, over size in the post too, because he's usually bigger than the guy that's guarding him. And, you know, he has the ability to rise up and, you know, make that little mid-range jump shot, whether it be over the top of somebody or to spin off him. So um, I think one of the things that, that, you know, that, that our bigs are doing, and you can credit, um, you know, Rudy Gobert for this, is just he's been stronger with the ball. He's been more patient and making sure he gets the catch and worrying about scoring after he gets the catch. And as a result, you know, I think he's he's getting to the line even more. And then, you know, with, with Rudy Gay, um, you know, he's a really willing passer out of the post. So, um, you know, playing through the post becomes a much more uh, productive thing for us to do. And, you know, that's why we're doing it. I love that. Playing through the post is a huge deal. I mean, we talk so much about you know, where you catch the ball. Quinn Snyder's so specific about where you pick up defenders or, 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 you know, who you're defending. He's so specific about those things. When you can change the entire dynamic 
of where they're catching the ball or where the defense has to put their focus so you forget about who's in the corner or you forget about who's back at the top of the three-point line. I love that. You want to become a more versatile, more dangerous team, even though you're already the best offensive team in the NBA? Find different ways to put the ball so they have to defend you in different spots of the floor so when you get to the playoffs, they can't take away X, Y, and Z. You know, there's there's just too many wrinkles for you to for you to combat. And so I love that answer from Quinn Snyder. I think that's actually probably the biggest uh, the biggest change for the Jazz this season. That might be the biggest change you can have that could push them further than they've ever gone before. So two things that really stood out to me. One, I like Quinn Snyder's phrases because oftentimes they're really good at demonstrating what he needs. Exactly. Or what he means, like like the blender, for example. Yes. You know exactly what he's talking right. about. He's, he's very creative in the way he describes things. Fight for the rim. Yep. You know exactly what he's talking about. But I think maybe the most important thing is they need to make the read early because we can picture the play in our mind, right? Rudy gets a mismatch or, or they're going smaller or whatever, and Rudy gets the guy pinned under the rim. And the guard is running the offense and not necessarily yes. seeing that. Right. Where I, I thought it was interesting that Quinn Snyder said they need to make that read early because when Rudy has him pinned for 10 seconds, I saw this last night, uh, Rudy got mismatched with Damian Lillard, pinned Lillard under the rim, held him there for five or six seconds, right. didn't get the ball, and then just stood in the dunker spot while Correct. Lillard got a breather. Right. They didn't make the read early enough. Correct. To get him the ball where he could make that that uh, that kind of impact. So I I appreciate that answer because you know exactly what he's talking about. Correct. We can all picture Rudy fighting for the rim, pinning somebody down there, and then making himself big trying to get the ball. And the the ball handler needs to make that read early and get it to him. In fact, I'd bet you that is one of Quinn Snyder's best traits. He's he's a really good communicator. It seems like everybody knows what's being asked of them on the floor. And that's communication. You know, that's yeah. his ability to lay out. I do like also that Rudy Gay's been in the league for 16 years. Do you know how many plays you've, you've been involved in? I mean, do you know how many times you've stepped on the floor? We talk about experience. I mean, you just catch the ball at 8 feet or 15 feet, and you know the differences of what you can do at 8 feet versus 15 feet, where the defender has to be, you know, because they can only be so many spots on the floor, and you know they have to guard X, Y, and Z. Again, he knows who's going to be up in the corner or where this extra defender has to be. So I like that Quinn's done it. I also like that this change came as a result of Rudy Gay not being very good in the last two weeks. Like, Rudy Gay was not very good. He was great to start his career with the Jazz, and then he really saw a downturn, and he said, you know what? we got to stop asking him to be George Niang. we got to stop asking him to be a three-point shooter, and he still hit a couple of threes last night, but let him be good at what he's good at, and he's really good from 15 to 18 feet, and if he's good and he's getting buckets, he's going to play better on the other side of the floor. So I, I like that. That's actually been some in-season coaching that I think has really helped this basketball team. And again, Jake, they've won five in a row. They've won 13 of their last 15 games. They won eight straight on the road. Like They are playing really, really high-level basketball. I understand that Quinn Snyder wants to see that pushed up to the next level because he was a little critical last night after the game. But they're, they're, they're a really good basketball team right now. And they're getting good work um, on stuff they're going to see in the playoffs, like the switchy Exactly defense. right. Yeah, It's okay to not win games by 25 points if you're learning lessons that will help you later on in the season. Jake, I got, I got an itch. I got a scratch. We have a liar amongst us. And it's not you. And it's not me. We have ourselves a liar on our hands. In fact, a survivor and a liar. I got a direct message liar. from one Amy... Who said that not only is Megan a survivor, she's too humble. She survived a premature birth. She was born at 25 weeks and you weighed less than two pounds. You preemie liar. 
first of all, Ben, that, that's really aggressive. Ease off, man. Jeez. Second of all, Megan, that's incredible. Sub really? Two pounds? Yeah, I forgot about that. You were young. Quite young. <laughs> Pretty small. That's amazing, though. That's Survivor. That is. That's. Yeah, that's legit survivor. That's way more than Jake, you know, getting yeah. caught in a groundswell. Right, yeah, get the, <laughs> swimming a little, a little bit. Yeah. The canoe. There was actually two of us. I have a twin. Oh, as well. that makes sense yeah. of why you were born premature. And mm-hmm. the twin's still alive, or? Yes, he oh, is. Oh, shout out to him. What's his name? Jonathan. Jonathan and Megan. Mm-hmm. Oh, the twins. Who's first? He was. Oh. Uh, so you're the youngest of the whole family? Technically, I'm the oldest. How does that work? You just yeah. said your brother was born before you. <laughs> yes, he is also um, disabled. Oh, okay. But you're not older than he is? Or he's older than you are? He's older than me. Okay. He's older than you are. See? You were born at one pound, eight ounces? Is he the same size? Yes. Wow. Amazing. At 25 weeks. That's crazy. 15 weeks early. You know, people who are pregnant, you're like, yeah, two months to go. Megan's mom was like, no, we're going now. We're running with it at this point. Speaking of appreciating the age in which we live. No kidding. Modern medicine. I mean, the fact that we can have a birth even if it goes 40 weeks. Right. But much less even if it only goes 25 weeks. Um, I think you know this, but uh, we spent uh, 10 days in the NICU with my uh, my oldest. No, I didn't know that. And she was there for for blood sugar. She could manage her blood sugar. It was like if your baby has to go to the NICU, that's like the... The best reason, right? As weird as that sounds, right? But but you you see all the you know you're there and you see all the families are dealing with, but you see the the, the medicine and the doctors and all it's this insane. stuff is just uh is just, I mean it's it's a miracle is what it is. It's Megan's a amazing. miracle. Megan, We're gonna call you miracle. Miracle Megan. Megan. That's your name from now on. I like that. I like it. Thank yeah. you. Is Amy your mom? No comment. <laughs> well, shout out to Amy for uh, for oh, listening. I've, I've met Amy then. Yeah. You have yes, I've, yeah. I've met your. Well, folks. I've never met Amy. What's going on here? Very well, nice. Shout people. out to Amy. They came to uh, they came to a game last year, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Very nice people. Miracle Megan. Yeah. There you go. All right. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Jake and Ben ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Rose Bowl coming up on Saturday, Ben. Is it? It is. You forgot the name of the bowl earlier in the show, so I figured we ought to probably get that. No, I'm a BYU fan. <laughs> you, you, you always have been. I mean, I'll be accused of something for, you know, saying one thing wrong at some point in my life. So, um, What do you think about uh, Ute fans' feelings, Ben? It's, it seems weird. I've, I've been <laughs> thinking, thinking about, about Ute fans' feelings. No, no, no. I, I I've concerned been, myself with it a whole lot. I've been thinking about the big storylines this week, and it seems like it's Ute fans getting bent out of shape about all of them. Like Ohio State doesn't want to be there. Players right. not playing. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, is the Rose Bowl big enough? You know, people almost discounting the meaning because of Ohio State situation and that it's not the college football playoff anymore. It's not the granddaddy of them all, so to speak, because the system has changed, right? It's it's the, what do you want to say, third biggest bowl game of the year, maybe fourth? Yeah, it's up there. So anyway, it's the all biggest these, non-playoff game. All these things that you fans have, have gotten bent out of shape about over the week, which, and I should say this, I find their grumpiness completely understandable. Okay. I, but I, those things are real. I've, I've told you my perspective on BYU and Utah and why this rivalry is the way it is. It's because BYU nationally has this 
perspective of itself as an underdog or as a, a, a getting treated like a little brother. It just kind of has this national perspective of that way. I don't know if it's because they're in Provo. I don't know if it's because of recruiting limitations, whatever it is. It has this like little brother underdog kind of Napoleon syndrome. It's always had that a little bit. And then Utah was kind of the little brother to BYU for a long time, developmentally throughout you know, the 80s, yeah. early 90s, until Mac really kind of evened everything out. But So there's always been this axe to grind that like in-state, Utah feels like the underdog to BYU, and nationally, BYU feels like the underdog to everybody else. So you have these two teams trying to out-underdog one another. At least the fan bases seem to feel that way, which is why they're always talking about each other being little brother or why all of their insults are about your program's not big enough or it's not a P5 school or we're the Pac-12 South champs because we went undefeated. It's always about trying to push them down, not saying look at how great they are and we beat them. It's always about trying to be the underdog in this situation. I've always felt that way about these two schools. So when you do that, you set yourself up to feel slighted every opportunity. And it can be toxic. It's not necessarily bad. I mean, it's sports. Sports can be petty and however you want to do it. They're fun. You pick up sports however you want to. But regardless, that's why I've always felt like these teams are always looking to feel slighted by one another or by outside perspectives or by radio hosts or whatever. There's always this desire to feel like you've been slighted. So it makes sense when you look at Ohio State when five of their top 15 players don't show up, that's a slight. Or you didn't get a college football playoff invite. Or no one thought your win over Alabama was as legit because Julio didn't want to be there. And who was it? Smith didn't show up there. Their big D tackle didn't show up and play in that game. Like All of these different reasons to feel like they're not giving us enough credit. We would have beat Florida. Like All these different you know arguments that you've kind of consistently heard. I do think that's where it comes from. And I do think it's a permanent part of this system. Now, I think some of it you probably should shed. You're in the Pac-12. You won the Pac-12 title. You beat Alabama or, or Oregon twice in three weeks. You have a really good chance to beat Ohio State. If you beat Ohio State, you know, and you've won a Pac-12 championship, like the difference between you and USC today and you and Oregon today, there's not one. There's, you're the exact same program at this point. Now, there's recruiting advantages, et cetera, warm weather in California, Nike in, in, in Corvallis. Those are all advantages. Don't get me wrong. Those are all, or Eugene, excuse me, and Eugene, nothing's, a, there's no advantage of being in Corvallis of any kind. But yes, being up in Oregon and having the success that Nike gives you. You've got you to shed that. You've got to get rid of this little brother syndrome that seems to permeate through our schools. Okay. I, well, I don't know about shed it. Well, let me, let me a couple of things, Ben. It's the reason that national media figures always talk about how mean Utah and BYU fans are on Twitter. Yes, because they're constantly going after them for sliding their programs. What but, about us? But here's the problem. <laughs> here's the thing: these programs do get slighted all the time. Sure. All the time. Correct. And so what you're asking Utah BYU fans to do is just turn the other cheek and enjoy it, which I understand it when fans don't. The attitude from Ohio State is, we don't want to go all the way out there to play this cute little program. 100%. That's what they're saying. You're That's right. a slight. It's legit. It's not like you fans and BYU fans are making it up in their minds like, oh, we're just picked on all the time. Like, it's not the little brother syndrome. They are picked on all the time. They are slighted all the time. But they're not special. They're not special at all. They would do this to Oregon State. They would do this to every other school in the country. Okay, they're not the only examples of it, but but it does not make it. it Because we're here, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen all the time. But you're in the majority. Because there are Utah, there are five schools that feel like that. Alabama feels like that. Florida probably feels that way. 
Clemson probably feels that way. Ohio State probably feels that way. Michigan's lost it. Because the Utes keep kicking their ass every couple of years, like that, that you Michigan doesn't get to have that anymore. So, th- but, there but are, you don't get what I'm saying. The more Utah wins these games, people don't remember. Oh. It's not like like Utah has. I, left, I don't think that's true either. No, Utah, you're right. Utah has left cute little football program behind decades ago. Correct. But that's still the lens, and that's why it's a slight. Here's the problem. It's that's the why lens it's be- a slight. It's the lens because that's how they see themselves. Who cares? It still happens. So get rid if, of that if lens. If you're insulting your neighbor, who cares if you're having a bad day? You're still insulting your neighbor. Then get rid of that lens. Stop insulting your neighbor. Like but that's, that's the point. Utah wins all these games and wins the league and the division and all this. And, and you wonder, like, okay, there's the breaking point. The rest of the world is going to finally give Utah or BYU, you know, whatever, credit. But no, it's a it's it's slight fest. There's no reachable bar. BYU Correct. wins. There the, is, you are never BYU going to be. BYU wins the national Dern championship. Ben, what's the reaction? Is it to say, "Wow, BYU has arrived"? No, it's to change the whole system. They created the BCS specifically so BYU could never do that Correct. again. Right, which is the ultimate slight. Right. So then you say, "All oh, these fan bases need to grow up, little brothers." Yes, slid- and you're mad at lightning. People are spitting in their face constantly, and you're you're telling them. Hey, enjoy it. Then you're mad that there's enjoy lightning. It. You're mad that the, the world has lightning and storms and tornadoes. Like, I get it. They're frustrating. It's a bummer. But you can't change it. You're not going to be Ohio State ever. You're never going to be Alabama. You're never going to be Texas. You're never going to be Clemson. I mean, you name it. You're never going to be a couple of these schools. There are five of them, though. That you ever, you're never going to be. Guess what? Donovan Mitchell's never going to be Michael Jordan. I don't care how hard he tries. He's never going to get there. LeBron can't even get there. And LeBron might be better than Michael Jordan and still can't get there. You're not those schools. Stop caring that you're not those schools. You're the best at what you are. Right now, Utah is probably the best non-blue blood college program this season. And Ute fans believe that. So when people out there slight them and what's say the you're what not you mean, that. What's the slight? What's the slight? What? That the, the entire Buckeye Nation has no interest in this bowl game. So what school doesn't so, believe in because you? Because a cute little nor Utah. Nor should they. That's still a slight. Nor should they. It's still a slight. Ohio State wakes up every morning and is a college football playoff team. And should be. And that is the expectation, and that's the funding they have, and that's the talent they have. That's the expectation. So when they're sad about playing Utah, it's a reflection of how poorly they've played. It's their lens. Their lens of themselves as this great school that does all these things, because they have been, is the same lens that Utah fans have for being this little school, because they have been a little school. Now, Ohio State needs to get a cold glass of water to the face and recognize that this year you weren't that team. You weren't better than Michigan. You weren't better than Alabama. You weren't better than Georgia. You weren't better than probably Cincinnati at this point. You weren't better than these teams that are in the college football playoff. Utah, get the cold, same cold glass of water to the face. Stop swimming around like you're this non, you're this nothing school. You're there. You arrived. You're getting every single bit of recognition you ever could get. You are playing on New Year's Eve in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. That just that, let that be good but enough. But not because anybody wants you there, Ben. That's not their choice. Because I don't they care had what to people take you. What? Yeah, they did have to. You that, put yourself that in a situation where they have to take you. Slight. There's a lot of people who have really good jobs because they just waited out everybody else. Everyone else quit because they couldn't take it anymore. You survived long enough in the Pac-12 where Arizona State and Arizona and Oregon State and Colorado and Cal couldn't do it. UCLA can't do it. You can do it. You listen, can hold on long enough to be good. Listen, Ben, if you were a sprinter, all right? And you and you came along, and uh, you had this rival that kept beating you over and over again in the sprint. You finally got yourself to the point where you were equal to this guy, and just finishing behind in second. 
Then all of a sudden, your times got a little bit better, Ben. You started taking a little, uh, you know, supplement. You improved your diet. You know, you put, you, you, you got a little bit faster, and you beat him in a race. And everybody goes, well, yeah, you probably got lucky. Then you beat him again. And they go, oh, well, you know, I still think he's better. Then you beat him again. Well, you know, he had a hangnail that but day. But you're so laying out like, a false hypothetical. Who how? are these teams that Utah keeps beating? What are you talking about? Alabama. Once. Or how about the rest of the league where that they're viewed like uh, Utah's viewed as this plucky underdog still? If everybody in the talk- Pac-12 is viewing Utah as a plucky underdog, they do. they're morons. I, exactly. They're morons. I'm not disagreeing with the, that, Ben. The Utah, but, but Utah doesn't need to believe that. Stop caring what your neighbor has. But this Don't is try and keep up with the Joneses. that is the definition of a slight Ben. <laughs> yes, I shouldn't care what my neighbor says. Only if says. you're sliding yourself. <laughs> Only okay. if you're sliding yourself. You got to stop caring. You don't exist because of what USC right. does or because of what Oregon does. You exist because of what you do. You don't exist because of what BYU does this, or vice versa. Stop. You know what? Who, who's Usain Bolt? If you want to go back to racers, Usain Bolt's never looking over his shoulder to see who's close to him. He might look to see how much he's beat him by, but Usain Bolt was never looking to see who's coming up on his heels because nobody was coming up on his heels. Just trust if you're Utah, no one else is close to you at doing what you do. Yeah, Ben, but th- this is reality. You might be right, but this is real. This is why you can just insult people in the media room so freely because you don't understand. Yes, I should shake off your horrible insult and just move on with my day, but what happened? Is I get my feelings hurt, Ben, because I'm a human. I got slighted by somebody that that I admire greatly, and it hurts. It cuts, and you feel like lashing out, and you wait two weeks, and then you just ambush them with it on the radio, and and that's where that energy comes from, Ben. I'm not a perfect human being, and I understand the the nature of BYU and, and Utah football fans because they do get slighted all the time, and I don't think they do. I think my argument is I don't think they do. I watch college game day just like everyone else does. All anyone talks about is how good Utah is. All anyone talks about is what an incredible story they are. Nobody this nobody on Saturday is going to say Utah doesn't belong on the same field as Ohio State. Every single person to a T is going to say Utah can beat Ohio State. Be careful. Utah absolutely can beat Ohio State. Utah can beat them. Every single person is going to say Utah is just as good as Ohio State this season. And if you're undervaluing them, that's on you because they're exactly right. If you're undervaluing Utah at this point, that's a you problem. Okay. It's not a Utah I, I got you. But how many Ohio State fans are going to Oh, Have you been to Ohio? That place sucks. Yeah. That, and you would think <laughs> that, that they could get 10,000 people without even trying. I bet you that. I bet you you'd fans outnumber Ohio State fans by. Oh, 85 to 15. Yeah. Easily, right? I mean, it's going to be all Utah fans, which even better. Miracle Megan's in our ear telling us we've got to go to break. Jake and Ben. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a good show so far. Let's keep it going. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.